0: Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Simon, for that um, very kind introduction. Um, and I'm really excited about what I want to share this morning. So this is the next speak in our devoted series that we've been looking at over the past couple of months. And the theme that I wanted to take this morning was devoted to your calling, devoted to your calling. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some kind of key themes in Scripture on calling. Um, I'm going to share a bit about our story, so the story of me and Fee, not because I think it's um, particularly kind of brilliant or anything, but I think it's the most personal way that I can pull out some aspects about what I want to teach on this morning in calling, and then I'm going to think through, well, what are some ways we can start thinking about this and start applying it for ourselves. Um, so that's, that's a bit of a roadmap of where we're going this morning, um, but before we do that, um, I wonder if you've ever had any of these kind of questions? How can I discover the callings in my life? Is the idea of calling just for some people, but not for others? Have I missed my calling? What kind of legacy will I leave? My calling doesn't seem very impressive compared to others. So does it really matter what I do with my life? I don't hear God's audible voice. Does that mean I'm not called? So those questions... They probably show that we've got a massive range of thinking when we hear the word calling, kind of what it evokes within us, what we think about it. Maybe at one of the scale, we haven't really considered it at all. It's not an idea um, that we pay a lot of attention to. Or maybe at the other extreme, we're so caught up and het up about what we are meant to be doing that we become very self-obsessed and completely go off the spectrum that way. So what, what's the sweet spot? How can we understand this biblically? And the reason that I wanted to do this this morning, because I believe if we do understand calling biblically, um, it's an incredibly powerful idea that can transform how we live out our lives for God. So that's what we're doing. Um, Just to say it is a major theme in both the Old and New Testaments. And that's why we're going to do a quick kind of Bible survey in a few minutes. Um, But it's probably worth saying it's not one which we necessarily talk about and explore kind of in our evangelical church context the same way we might kind of salvation or gifts of the spirits i think we're all fairly kind of clear and fairly plugged in and connected to those topics but i'm not necessarily sure we've got that same depth of kind of understanding and teaching and history when it comes to the idea of calling so so maybe that's one reason we can get caught in those kind of anguished questions um, so I'm going to start um, with, a, with a definition of calling. Just going to put it up on the screen. Um, well, actually, before we go to the definition, I forgot. Um, I should, for plagiarism purposes, say that a lot of what I teach this morning has been influenced by the teaching of um, lecturer Os Guinness, who has done a number of different books on Christian theology and Christian life. And particularly, um, a book I'd recommend everyone read is called The Call, and this is where a lot of these ideas that I'm not going to be sharing have come from. So do read the book. I'm going to start with his definition of calling just to give us something to hold on to before we look at the scripture passages and share our story. So Guinness says that calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do and everything we have is invested with a special devotion, dynamism and direction lived out as a response to his summons and service. So I I think that's a a powerful definition. I'll just leave it up for a couple of seconds to let you soak in it. Okay, so we'll come back to that definition. And as we look through passages in Scripture on calling, we'll start to see how they, in different ways, kind of plug into that kind of really general statement and definition of calling. as I say, I want to start with sharing a bit of our story. Um, And partly that is because um, it's great to see so many new faces in the church. And me and Fee go home every week and say, we haven't got to meet those people. or We haven't got to meet those people. I don't even know who those people are. And so because I'm I'm standing at the front and I get to talk to you all, this is a great way to say hello to everyone and to introduce ourselves a bit more. Um, But also those who have known us for longer, Um, I just want to kind of share more of our, I guess, our backstory before we came to Jubilee. Um, And just to start pulling out those moments where, is this a a God moment? Is this a calling moment? Is there something that we can learn in our stories as we reflect on them? So hopefully this will be interesting. Hopefully it won't be too self-indulgent. So I first became aware of God probably when I was around six or seven. Um, My parents are not believers but I did go to a Church of England primary school. So some of the language, some of the songs, some of the kind of paraphernalia of Christianity, if I can put it that way, I, w- I was quite familiar with. So, so the language of God wasn't, wasn't kind of difficult for me. And I think like most children, I'll possibly argue all children, um, I did have just that inner sense that there is, there is a God. God. God is there. I, I didn't know him. I didn't know much about him. Um, but I, I, I knew he was there. Um, and as I went through my primary school, um, I would I would try and communicate with God in various what now seem very strange and odd ways. Like I tell God that if I did something for him, could I have some kind of like really cool dreams that night and things like that. So kind of um, young interactions with God. But I, I'd never been shared the gospel properly. Um, I'd, I'd probably heard snippets of it through some of the fairly um, general, ecumenical, let's all be nice to each other, vaguely Christian songs we sang in our school assemblies, but kind of didn't really get the full, the full kind of picture um, of the gospel, um, until as a family we moved. So I grew up in Bristol until I was 10, then as a family we moved to near Aylesbury because my dad got a new job, and from a big city we moved to a tiny village with no shop and nothing to do whatsoever. Except there was a Christian youth group that was run in the village, and my parents, keen for me to have any stimulation whatsoever in my new environment, were more than happy to say, go along, enjoy, find out about things. So I did, and very quickly after joining, it was led by a woman called Tessa, who over many years witnessed very, very faithfully to the youth of Buckinghamshire, Um, and she still, we're still in touch with her, and she still prays for us every week, which is just an incredible witness that I want to honour here. Um, but very quickly, under her influence, I wanted a Bible. So I asked Mum, Mum, could I get a Bible? Um, she found one through a work colleague, um, and I started reading. And hadn't really got any guidance, so as you do with a book, I started at the beginning. Um, I think I got to two kings before someone suggested, maybe you want to look at a gospel. So that was... so, but um, Which was... Which was interesting, but actually it, it gave me kind of a, a knowledge and a background of, of God and of his work from the beginning that I'm, I'm actually really thankful for. Um, by, by the summer of that year, so this would be summer of 1995, um, I had made a definite commitment um, to Jesus. I had accepted him as my saviour um, and I was calling myself a Christian at that point. So that story, that, that move, what was God doing there? Because on a human level, my dad got a new job. But I can see looking back, actually, that was God's means of bringing me to faith. God was calling me from the little knowledge of him I had to faith in him. So that was obviously a, a, a huge kind of change in my life. Um, skip forward... A few years, that youth group kind of remained my main source of spiritual input as a teenager. So I didn't go to a church at that time, but I got all of my teaching through my youth group. Um, and then after a gap year, I went to university in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Um, I didn't really know where I wanted to go or what I wanted to study. I didn't have a strong sense of call. Cool. I didn't have age 18, this, this is what I want to do with my life. This is where I want to study it. And this is where I want to be. Which, when you see others around you with that strong sense, can be quite, quite disorientating. Uh, but fortunately, I did know two things. One, um, I wanted to study in the north of England to follow in the footsteps of my older sister. And family legacy can be an interesting aspect when we think about calling. Let's put that out there. Um, LAUGHTER but I didn't really know what I wanted to study. But I found a course at Newcastle University called Combined Arts, which basically means I could turn up on day one and study any three subjects of my choosing. and They didn't even have to be arts subjects. They could be anything whatsoever. So I thought, that sounds great. I'll apply for that, go into a gap year, turn up on day one and work out what I wanted to do there. Um, so at university, my faith kind of went through a... Um, I guess, a, 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 a revival, if you want to put it in that language. I'd, I'd struggled quite a lot as a teenager. Uh, but I got to university, got plugged into both a church and the Christian Union community, and God kind of really transformed my faith during those first couple of years at university. Got really involved in the mission of the Christian Union in, in later years, um, and I ended up working uh, for the church that I attended after I studied for four years. So God was doing some big stuff, in me during those university years. But even when I started working for the church, and there was, there was something going on there, because, again, it wasn't a, I know that I am going to be a vicar, and therefore taking this internship is the first step on that route. I still didn't have that kind of, what we might think of, ministry call, in inverted commas, and you'll see why I'm putting it in inverted commas with some of the teaching that comes later. I still didn't, I still didn't feel that, but I felt very strongly that I wanted to explore more, well, what's it like um, to, to kind of work full time in this church context. And I was blessed enough to be in a big church where we took on kind of 10 interns each year to serve for one or two years. <laughs> um, so that, that's all been about me up to this point. Um, during my time um, at, um, at, at Jesmond Parish Church, the church I was working at, during my first year working there, um, I met my now wife, Fee. Um, And I'm not I'm not going to tell all of Fee's story up to this point, partly because um, I could go on forever about all of this stuff. And we do have a time limit, unfortunately. Um, But um, again, the circumstances in which we came together was very clearly not a kind of human effort. It wasn't a classic. Um, let's let's try and find someone to date. Let's let's do that whole Christian dating thing. God basically just put us together without any choice, and you can ask us more about that story in the end. Um, but we felt a very strong call to each other, to marriage, to family, um, and and that and that was all wonderful. So um, in yeah, so we we got married in. 2011. Wanted to make sure I got that one right. That was, that was a high pressure moment. I'm getting thumbs up from over there. So we so we, we got that one correct. Um, and our first year of marriage. Um, I carried on for a third year working at Jasmine Parish Church. And to be honest, our lives were really good. We I really enjoyed my job. Um, we were enjoying being a newly married couple, having our own apartment. We had a great friendship network. I don't know who knows Newcastle here, but Newcastle is an yeah. absolutely amazing city. If you ever get a chance to go there, do it. If, if you ever think God might be leading you that way, jump onto it and just go for it. It's, it's, it's a wonderful city, really wonderful city, and with lots of Christian ministry going on there, which is, which is amazing. So it was, it, was a, it was a lovely life. It was a comfortable life. Um, but we really felt prodded by God. And this, this was probably the, the clearest kind of, uh, kind of thing that I could say undoubtedly, yeah, God is laying it on our heart that something different needs to happen now. Some change needs to happen. There's, there's a new story coming in life. Um, so I started applying for uh, various jobs outside of the church um, in quite a few different fields. Again, I wasn't particularly attached to doing a particular thing at that point. Um, and to cut a long story short, just a year later, we moved to Solihull. I started working for Dracula Land Rover. Um, and we were very clear that in terms of the spiritual kind of motivations for moving and what we were looking for in a new church community, we were very clear that we wanted to have a church community that was Bible-centred, strong on teaching, and because that's, that's what we'd experienced in our church in Newcastle. And we believe that's a... That's an immovable foundation for a healthy walk with God. So we were looking for that. But we were also looking for somewhere where we'd be a bit more challenged on the heart level and on the spirit level. So it was not that our old church didn't teach about a personal relationship with God. It just, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't the same emphasis. And we were looking for more kind of personal devotional challenge. And we're also looking for a church where there were, community groups that met regularly and were kind of really heavily involved in each other's life. So I don't know if you've ever moved town to look for a new church. You can put your kind of tick list together. You can have plans to visit all kinds of things. Uh, And then God just turns up and does something completely different to everything you thought. So Jubilee was on our list, but it was kind of only one of about six churches we're going to try out in Solihull. Um, And it was church number two we came to. Um, And in fact, we only ended up coming on the Sunday we did because we got the service time wrong for another church that we were going to go to. Um, so anyway, um, first, first Sunday we turned up. We were I think the church had just moved into the URC. It was one of the very early meetings uh, in the URC church across the road. Um, and we were made to feel very welcome, um, went through the worship. Um, and then during the preach, uh, we were asked to pray for the walls of the church. <laughs> Now, coming from a fairly conservative background, this, were, this was fairly high on the weird scale, I've got <laughs> to say, and we had a number of people, and many of whom still worship with us, who came and apologised at the end of that service, uh, but we, we took it all in our stride, uh, we, we felt incredibly welcome, we were, we were being open to new things, um, and it was a very, very quick decision that God wanted us here at Jubilee Church. Um, since then we've been involved in various things so um we've been involved in music we've been involved in the children's and the youth work as someone says right now um teaching and preaching is um something that god seems to be putting more more in my direction and so it's it's great to be able to do that with you all here um that's getting a bit of ahead bit ahead of ourselves i think what one more story i want to share with you and then i promise we'll get to the bible um in, in um, July 2014, uh, Julian Adams came and visited us. So that's nearly four years ago. He came and did a, a, a prophecy and worship evening, both for us and other churches, kind of in our network and in our hub. Um, and if you don't know Julian Adams, um, he, he travels all over the world. His, his main gift, he's got lots of gifts, but his, his main thing he is known for being gifted in is prophecy and specific prophecy for specific individuals about things he sees in their future. Um, and I, I think we were feeling a bit dry at that time. We were, we were pleased that we'd made the transition to Jubilee, but we still didn't really have that sense of direction. We didn't have that sense of, well, God, what, what have you got us here for? Why am I working this job right now? What's your plan here? Um, And Julian um, had a word for us. Um, And I was actually wearing this very shirt um, on that day when Julian had a word for us. So as a side point, if you ever want some great prophetic input, wear a standout shirt. It can't harm your chances. It really cannot. Um, So this shirt has had significance for me ever since that day. Because the word that Julian gave us on that day was very significant and, again, embodies lots of the things around crawling that we were thinking about. Um, he, he said things about us going to a place with maple leaves but not Canada, which is, which is quite a specific thing to be, be shared with. And just a summer earlier, we had been on a holiday to Boston um, in, in New England. And as many of you know, ever, ever, since, ever since that word from Julian, we feel like there is something out there for us at some point in Boston. So we've been trying to pull out, well, if there is a real specific call to us to a specific place, what does that mean? And how do we go about pursuing that? Uh, so we've been living with that ever since and kind of putting our toe in the water. Uh, we, we went over last year for three weeks to meet some churches over there to make some connections and, and that was that was kind of we felt we'd lifted the word for a couple of years, but then we felt God saying, "No, I've I've given you this word. I want you to do something active to follow it and pursue it." So that is us. Um, very recently, I've had to deal with some questions around calling as well, because as many of you know, I've switched jobs. Um, so after five and a half years at Jaguar Land Rover, um, I left um, at the end of January at the start of February. And I just started a new job down in London a couple of weeks ago. I'm still in the role of a learning and development advisor. But that whole transition period of, well, why am I leaving? Why am I looking for something new? Where am I going to work? What work am I going to do? How does that tie into our big picture? How long are we going to be here? We've just moved house from Coventry back to Solihull. Where does that tie in? So all of these, all of the things I'm going to be talking about this morning are really kind of personal to us right now where we are in life. So, I hope that's that's introduced me a bit to you and I'd, I'd love to hear, um, particularly those who I don't know, I'd love to hear some of your stories um, as we grow and get to know each other as a church. But I wanted to share it uh, because calling is something which you can talk about quite theoretically but um, but struggle to connect to personally. And I just want to show that this, is, this, is this message has come from a personal place. I, I'm going to teach from the Bible, but the message is coming from a personal place. So... That is us. There's there's probably a few more things um, we could tell you about us. They do come and say hi at the end. That would be be great to share uh, more of ourselves with you. But what I want to do now is um, do a bit of a sweep through scripture. So called or calling um, appears in scripture over 600 times. Bible Gateway inform me. So we're going to quickly look at all 600 of them, and then no, um, we're going to look at 10, um, which kind of right from the beginning um, through to the teaching um, in the New Testament. So if you have a Bible with you, it would be a good time to grab it, open it at Genesis 1. And we're gonna we're gonna go through um, these messages now. So, uh, the first time the word called appears in Scripture is in Genesis 1, verse 5. Um, so, God has said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that it was good, and He separated from the light from darkness. And then God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. Um, so, I should say, as, as we look at these passages, I'm not going to s- comment too much on them, just, just to kind of stir some ideas around this topic. Um, but what we see there is there's kind of a, there's kind of a creativity in calling. There's something in, in, in the, the naming, in the calling of something that is creative. And we see that right from the very start. Uh, we see it with God in chapter one. Then if we flick over to Genesis chapter two, uh, we see that God gives man that responsibility. Chapter two, verse 19. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So there's something about story, about, about naming, about um, the creativity and about the act of calling that actually brings things out and establishes them. And we see that right from the start. Um, I'd love to speak more on that. But as I said, we're going to go on a fairly whistle-stop tour. Um, if we skip forward to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see a, a different aspect here of calling. Um, it's the story of, a, of the young boy Samuel, who would turn into one of the great judges and prophets of Israel. Um, he was in the care of a man called Eli, and he kept on hearing... Um, this voice calling him and he kept on going to Eli and Eli kept on saying, no, Samuel, I'm not calling you. And after the third time, um, Eli realized that something else was going on. So if we pick it up in verse eight, uh, the Lord called Samuel a third time and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So this was a specific voice, um, an audible voice of God. Uh, That the young boy Samuel was hearing. Um, And that is also given the title of calling. The Lord was calling Samuel with an audible specific voice. Again, I'm just gonna let that one hang there. Um, If we skip ahead to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 14, and this is a this is a famous verse, it's an often quoted verse. So 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive them their sin and will heal their land. And just a couple of things to pick up on here. Firstly, the theme of a people being called by God, being named by God, is there right throughout Scripture. Um, And and in this era of scripture, when uh, the nation of Israel are his specific chosen people, they are a people called by his name. But also look that there's some condition of response upon them. So God calls them, but they're in some condition of response. If they will humble themselves and pray and seek their face, then I will from heaven forgive them and heal them. So where there is a call, there has to be a response. Call and response go together, and that is what this promise from God is to the people of Israel. If you hear my call, I will heal you. Um, gonna skip into the New Testament. I did say it would be whistle stop. There, there's, there is lots in the poetic literature and the prophets on calling, but not got time to look at it. Um, so Mark eight chapter, sorry, Mark chapter eight verse thirty four. So Peter has just for the first time, the disciple Peter has just for the first time realised who Jesus is. And Jesus immediately starts preaching on the death that he needs to suffer and the resurrection that he will experience that we've just been looking at at Easter time. And then he says in verse 34, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So there's a there's an urgency there. There's a cost there. And this is an aspect of calling that we that we start to see with Jesus. And then we see kind of explode throughout the story of the New Testament. The, that, that radical obedience, whatever the cost is to the call of God. I'm just going to look at one other passages in the gospel. Luke 19 verses 11 to 13. Uh, So this is the start of the parable of the 10 miners. Um, While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 miners. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. So, here we see the idea of a king who has delegated tasks to do on earth to his servants. So, and as the story goes on, we see how they respond to that call has a radical impact on how the king treats them and their relationship with the king and their knowledge of the king. So, the king has given his followers things to do and they are called to do them. So, Another aspect here. Let's look at Romans chapter one, verse one. Uh, This is Paul writing to the church in Rome and he starts his letter by saying, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And in this passage and in many other passages throughout the New Testament letters, we start to see particular roles in the church being described as roles which people are called to. So Paul here is talking about um, being an apostle. There's others who are called to be teachers and prophets. But it's interesting to note that none of them were roles in the sense of being paid positions. Not once in the New Testament is a calling to a specific role in the church also linked to it being, quote, a job. So that's that's an interesting distinction to see. And as we know, Paul arguably the most influential um, servant of the church, also made tents in his spare time. So Paul, despite being a teacher, an apostle, a church planter, um, all of these things, he, 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 it wasn't his job. He, it wasn't a job. It was a, it was a calling. It was a role in the church, which is, which is an important distinction. Um, so that's on the personal scale. If we stay in Romans and zoom out to the... To the to the kind of scale of eternity, um, and look at verse 28 to 30, um, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those who God foreknew, He also pre- He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn amongst many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So in God's sovereign work of salvation in each of our lives, there is this really important step called calling. It's a really critical link. Can you see that? So he predestined, then he called, then he justified, then he glorified. So there is a level of calling which is around our salvation and our very knowledge of God himself. Again, just going to let that hang there. Um, Skip forward to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four, verses one to three. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bonds of peace. And the idea we see here that if we're called, that should be reflected in the way that we live. So in the way that we treat each other, in our holiness, um, in our relationships within the church, we can see that we're called as we respond to that call with holiness. And there's a similar theme in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as well. I'm going to skip number nine because it's on a similar theme to what we've looked at. Um, and then finally, I want to go, go to 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3 to 11. And I don't know what the, if you've got a subheading in your um, Bible, what the one in this version says, making one's calling an election sure. Um, so let's read it. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, for our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. And escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to brotherly love kindness, oh sorry, I skipped one, to godliness brotherly love, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is short-sighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So even though our call comes from God and it is ordained by heaven, Peter is saying we can't just sit back and lay back and be like, yeah, I'm called, I'm sorted, we're fine. No, there's there's this urgency again that we need to pursue God and pursue a life that kind of makes that calling sure that actually says, okay, yes, this is this is this is something that i'm pursuing this is something that i'm growing in and this is something that others around me can see that i'm growing in and, and peter says if we do these things we will never fall we will get to partake in the divine nature and share in all of god's promises so pursuing our calling and election are something i would argue is of primary importance okay so that is our whistle stop tour through scripture so say there's so much more on that theme in there but I hope that's kind of really got us into kind of some of the flavours and the themes of calling and so what I want to do now is think about well how can we start processing some of that we've seemed to have gone all over the place we've gone from naming stuff to being predestined for salvation uh, to being kind to each other how does that all tie together and how does that tie together for me in my life Um, So, I think we can think of calling in two big categories. I found this really helpful. We can think of calling in the come category and we can think of calling in the go category. So, we are called to come to God and then we are called to go and live a life for God. Um, And those are kind of how I want to look um, at calling. Um, So, I'm going to go to Guinness again to define kind of this heart of calling. And I'm going to say right up front, we should never go to the go bit before we've done the come bit. If we try and put the go before the come, it all goes wrong. What we try and do from God, if we haven't first come to God, will be ineffective. So we've got to start with the come. So this this is the heart of calling right here. And I'm going to go back to Guinness's definition. So our primary calling as followers of Christ is by him, to him and for him. He then goes on to add, first and foremost, we are called to someone, God, not to something, for example, motherhood or politics or teaching, nor to somewhere such as the inner city or outer Mongolia. So, Primarily, we are called to God and that call to God is to come into relationship with him, It's to come into a restored relationship with him, a relationship of love, a relationship of worship um, a relationship where we we know him on a daily basis through the Holy Spirit. And until we respond to that invitation to come to God, we're not going to get anywhere because that calling from God gives us two things that we cannot get from anywhere else. And if we try and find them in other things, things will go wrong. The calling from God gives us that real clear identity. I am a child of God. I am loved by the Father. I have been chosen by him because he loves me. And then it gives us a clear sense of purpose, because without God, we we don't know where we're going. We don't know what what our meaning is in life. We don't know our purpose in life. But now we've been called to Christ. We've been called to God. We have a purpose we have an identity and we have a purpose those are two incredibly powerful things two incredibly powerful things um, and, and so it, it's worth saying at this point um when we think about calling and being called we must always have in the front of our mind the fact that there is a caller and that is god it, to, to say that we have a calling but deny the existence of a caller is, is a complete contradiction Because calling is a two way thing. God is speaking a story over the creation. He is speaking a story over our life. And we respond to that call. To call something a call when it hasn't had that God mark over it or to say it is a call, but I don't really think God's there. We can't do that. It doesn't work. So we are called because there is a caller. And this is a devoted series. This is a series about devotion. So what, what does it mean to be devoted to that call? And, and to be honest, we're coming to the same answer on quite a lot of these talks, and that's no accident. We came to this answer when we had the, um, uh, the session on devoted to prayer. The way we are devoted to these things is by being devoted to God. We are devoted to our call as we are relationally devoted to God. So as we give ourselves to coming to know him, to coming to exalt in him, to coming to worship him, to rest in him and to treasure him, all all of these wonderful relational things, that's how we'll be devoted to our call. So if you've got a grand scheme in life, and that is a good thing, and we're going to come on to that, if you want to kind of be devoted to it, your starting point is be devoted to God. That's going to unleash all of the power for what he is calling us to The come gives us all of the power for the go. So I hope this starts to put to rest maybe some of those misgivings and some of those fears even we might have about calling. If you know God, if you call yourself a Christian, if you believe Jesus rose from the dead, then you are called. There is no question about it. There is absolutely no sense of there being a called group and a non-called group. We are all called. We are all called to know our Father. We are all called to love him. We are all called to grow in our knowledge of him daily. So it, it, I, I could stop talking here and that would, that would be a good sermon. In fact, I probably should stop talking here because I think that this, this, is, this is the real heart of things. To be devoted to our calling is to be devoted to our relationship with God. However, I think I might get lynched if I didn't go on to say a bit more of some of those big burning questions that you might have about your life and your calling. So let's go on to the go. Let's go on to our response. So God calls us to himself. Come to me. Now he calls us to go. Um, And this is what Guinness calls secondary calling. So, again, I'll just read out his definition. Our secondary calling, considering who God is as sovereign, is that everyone everywhere And in everything should think, speak, live and act entirely for him. And he goes on to give some kind of flesh to that by saying, we can therefore properly say as a matter of secondary calling that we are called to homemaking or to the practice of law or to art history. But these things and other things are always the secondary calling, never the primary. And we could put the same in about those other categories, about particular places or particular people as well. Um, they are callings rather than the calling. They are our personal answers to God's address, our personal response to his summons. Secondary callings matter, but only because primary callings matter the most. So we are both a community and individuals. And there's this real tension through a positive, healthy tension through all creation between the fact we are both communal beings and individual beings so we, we respond as one we respond as a church we respond to god's call together yet we are each unique and god has specific callings for each one of us and that's a good thing i want us to embrace that truth where we can often get tripped up is how we go about exploring them and worrying about them and and all of those kind of things so that's that, that's what we're that's what we're going to go on to um so e- but even even in the go I want to start with a, the general everyday responses. So um, I think we might have some points on the next slide on this one. Yes. So these are some things that whoever you are, um, whatever you do, whatever you may want to do. Um, if you are a member of any church, if you're a follower of Jesus. These are all things that we can do as individuals every day as part of the response to God's call. Um, so firstly, in fact, I'm going to skip back to the first point. Firstly, love. There is no one who is excluded from the call of loving each other and loving our neighbours as ourselves. If we want to respond to God's call, be devoted to God's call. Let us love. Let us serve. There is there no one who is not called to serve in church. Now, we can get quite hot up on what categories of service looks like and what kind of that means in terms of time. Am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Et cetera. But, but at its core, we are a community who serve each other. So we are all called to serve. We are all called to holiness, a set apartness from God, living our lives in a way that is distinct um, from those around us because we want to please God. And not the world or our own sinful flesh, as one of the passages we looked at earlier described it. So we are all called to holiness. There is not a group of holiness warriors who does all of the holy stuff for us while we carry on not called to holiness. No, we are all called to holiness. And if, if any of us, um, if any of us try and opt out from any of these general things... The, the whole body becomes sick. We've got this picture of the church being the body, and if one part's sick, the other parts need to help it, and it doesn't help the whole body. So these are things that are whole-body responses. Every cell of the body should be healthy, and that includes love, service, and holiness. Um, and then um, a, critical, a critical theme of us as Christians is we're not just natural people. We're supernatural people. We know God. We, we have his Holy Spirit, we can expect supernatural things to happen through us as a church. Um, and again, this is not to get het up in terms of I've not healed 10 people this week. Therefore, I'm not pursuing the call from God. But in our attitude, in what we expect from God, in making ourselves willing to be used as a vessel of the supernatural, we should all be looking to be and um, one of the phrases we've used over the years is naturally supernatural. Just as we go about our relationships, as we go about our lives, seeking those God break in moments, but not getting too het up about it. So that is the general response. Um, but now this, this is a bit many of you may have been wanting to get onto. Although I've got to say, if you've not been listening to me up to this point, please do not start listening now because that, that, that would be bad. So if you've not listened so far, you have permission to carry on not listening. But I hope you've been listening. So let, let's get on to our specific response as individuals. Um, So as I say, there are are specific, and Scripture talks about there being good works that God has planned in advance for us to do. There are specific things for each one of us that God has planned in advance for us to do with our lives. Um, And as I said, there's a danger of ignoring the general call. But there's also a danger of ignoring the specific call because maybe we don't feel it that strongly or maybe we're scared of it or maybe we've been disappointed with the way things have turned out in the past so i just want to give us a few tools to how to explore your specific callings however short-term or long-term whether they involve people places your job etc i just want to give some some guidance about how can we explore this stuff well i'm, I'm probably not going to give you any any formulas in fact i'm definitely not going to give you any formulas for definite success on understanding the purpose of your life but i hope these things in conjunction with your pursuit of god may help if you do struggle with these questions so i'm going to come back to it again i don't apologize for coming back to it again in terms of how to explore our specific callings well we have to have a foundation of holiness and of devotion with god Because much of what we discover about ourselves and the specific things God puts in our lives comes through spiritual wisdom, comes through um, our times of prayer and our times of meditation with God. So if we don't have that foundation of holiness um, and we don't have that foundation of a relationship with God, we we can't receive that spiritual wisdom, which which is a major and critical route of understanding what our specific callings might be. So again, don't move on from there. Until you're there. And so the second aspect of how to explore our calling well, um, pay attention to the prophetic. And what I mean by that is that God has gifted the church with prophets and some like Julian Adams and, and some in this church as well have a have a particular prophetic gift, which is about giving glimpses of what God might have in your future. And it's always really important to test these things um, according to all of the kind of standards that scripture gives us for receiving prophecy. But we shouldn't despise them. We should welcome them. We should, we should look to heed the prophets. They've been given an authority by God to speak in the church. And so if someone gives us a word about what they may see in our future, we sh- we should we should take that seriously. It should be a weighty thing for us. Like I shared about um, the message that Julian Adams has given us, um, we we, we, have, we could have thought, well, oh, that sounds nice, that's quite encouraging, but it's probably never going to happen. No, we, we've tried to take that seriously and give it the due weight that it deserves. So do, do pursue um, prophetic input into your life. Um, it can be a massive source of clarity when it comes to questions around calling. Uh, God can... God will normally completely surprise you in that context as well, which is a good thing. It shows that our, however much we plan without God, um, God turns up, shows us something completely different. And we realise, well, actually, that is what you're preparing me for and calling to me for all along. So it's another great source of hearing God's voice, which is often so different to our own internal thoughts about ourselves and our life. Thirdly, what, what are your passions and talents? Don't 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 think they're not important. Don't think that because, to use the examples earlier, you are more interested in art history than biblical theology, that you are any less called in that pursuit. Um, there was a there was a wonderful talk at Catalyst a couple of years ago, uh, which, which on that theme of just opening up the whole of our lives, the whole of creation. None of that is outside of God's remit. None of that is outside of what he might be calling us to do. There isn't. We should be taking down this sacred and secular divide about things which are more God and things that are less God. If, it's, if it comes from God, it's all God's. The whole creation is God's. He is restoring the whole creation, and therefore we can expect Christians to be involved in the restoration of every single aspect of creation, whether that's running a social project for disadvantaged youths, or whether it's leading worship at a conference for 50,000 believers. In every single, every single realm of life, we should expect to see Christians called by God to be part of transformation with him. So don't ignore your passions and talents. Um, if, if, if something really burns inside of you, go for it. It might not become your job. It might not even become the majority of the thing you spend your time on. But if you are pursuing it, you are pursuing a calling. You're pursuing one of the callings in your life when you pursue your passions and talents. So when thinking through decisions, do, do take who you are and yourself into consideration. Uh, fourthly, I want to call out unexpected opportunities. This is another thing that God has a habit of just dropping into our lives and disrupting everything. And again, when, we, when, when, a, when an unlikely opportunity comes along, we should take the time to think, huh, is this a God thing? Is this a, is, am I meant to be changing course here? Am I meant to be doing something different um, with with a particular aspect of my life, um, so yeah, look for the hand of God in the unexpected opportunities that come your way. Um, put another one in my notes, which isn't on the screen here. Um, but I talked earlier about how our kind of identity. Um, comes from being children of God, being called by God. And calling and identity are very, very closely interlinked ideas. So so lots of lots of the teaching that we have on identity we can we can apply that to calling. Um, and another um Christian author who who I benefit a lot from, called John Eldridge, speaks of considering our mythic identities. And what he means by that is um if you consider what you're doing in your job, uh, you might not think that's me you might think I'm doing this job but actually the true me the things that kind of I'm designed for and that I have the most passion for are kind of quite far removed from what I'm doing right now and and he says well think 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 of think of those words think of those things that you think are core to your identity as an individual and, and use them to start to start building things around so um words that I would use to describe myself in terms of um my kind of mythic identity would be um i like i like bringing community together so i'm a i kind of a a a reconciler a peacemaker i like that that bringing together thing um i describe myself as a competitor and if you know i I play board games competitively and and that is core to who i am there is a competitiveness to me that is core to my identity Um, then i'd call myself influencer to influence the conversation and, and that's been helpful for me because I think, well, where I can see aspects of that in what I'm doing, um, that, 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 that's a great way to kind of bring myself into my work, bring my calling into my work. Um, we don't always have the opportunity to bring our callings and our nine to five or whatever our hours are jobs together. If we do have that opportunity, that's amazing. Absolutely go for it. Say yes to it. But don't be surprised if you find that what, what you're doing day to day, if there's a mismatch between that and who you are called to be. Um, as we had a great um, sermon recently on work from Becky Webb. And there's, there's, this, there's this idea that work is both blessed and, and fallen at the same time. So there are going to be frustrations which mean what we do and who we are don't always match up. In fact, they won't ever perfectly match until the new creation. But um, don't be put off by that. Um, understand what, what, where you can bring yourself and your identities and your calling into your workplace. Um, and then another thing is um, be, be comfortable with, kind of, with, with, with multiple callings. I think one of the things we can get hecked up on is we see people who pursue brilliant careers, maybe some of the great... Um, classical composers or, or world leaders, and they've clearly had a single track that they have pursued relentlessly to get to where they've got to. Um, and that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely great if, if you feel that weight of single-minded called. But if you don't, if you don't feel that, don't say, oh, I'm, I'm probably not called because I haven't got that kind of approach. You, you might have multiple callings. You might have gradations of things that you feel more or less um, called about. So, so wherever you are on that scale, if you are kind of a person who loves just being and doing one thing, that's great. But at the same time, if you're more of a generalist, if you like doing lots of things and you've got interest in many places, that's fine as well. Explore those gradations. Explore kind of how how weighty these different things sit with you. So that, that's something to be comfortable with. Um, am going to run through a few dangers as well, because this is a minefield. We can get tripped up on it. Um, some of these we've already touched on, so I'll go through fairly quickly. Um, don't, get, don't get downhearted when your job and your calling um, don't match up. Don't try and conflate the one into another. If you can bring them together, fantastic. Um, but don't think you are not called if your job seems a long way removed from what you would describe as your purpose or identity or calling. Um, I'm going to say it again because it's a really important point. Don't consider particular jobs as being more called or less called. And get rid of the sacred-secular divide. Um, someone called to be a church minister is not more called than someone who is called to be a account um, te- technicalist, for example. Um, I think this is a real danger one that I've slipped into in the past. If you're not having a great time right now, if you're not feeling like you're in a great place, if you're feeling fairly... Um, for want of a better way, you're feeling fairly useless in the kingdom at the moment. If you're you're down on where you are, um, don't look to the future as a way of sorting that out. Don't think, actually, if if I get to this point in two years' time, everything's going to be better. Don't start living in the future um, as a substitute for dealing with things that are going on in your presence. And, And the reason I bring that up in the context of calling as, as, as we can often think, if only I was a blah, if only I was a celebrity TV chef, my life would be so much better If, if, if only I had that nice quiet administration job rather than all of the stress I have to deal with there, things would be much better because we, if we start living in the future, we, we stop responding to God, we stop developing that present relationship with him, and we can we can put aside issues that he wants us to deal with now by justifying everything in the present by what is going to happen in our heads in the future. So don't, don't, get, don't live in the future when you think about calling, while obviously some decisions in life are future focused, don't, don't make that your default. Stay in the present with God when listening to his voice, when listening to his call. Another one is we can get told what we should be pursuing in life. We can get told by others, you should be this, you should be that. I see this in you. And some of that is good intention, and some of it is just um, cultural, social, even religious heritage that we need to be really careful of. Because if we set ourselves down a path that actually isn't isn't the right one for us because we've been unduly influenced by those voices, that can be very hurtful and can take a lot of time to undo. Um, So... Yeah. Listen to those. I've called them God designs. Listen to what are the true God designs of your heart um, over and above people telling you what you should be doing if they don't seem to if they don't seem to match up. Um, This is another really important one. Don't ever use if you get to a point where you are fairly confident saying, I feel God is calling me to do X or I feel God is calling me to be Y. Don't use that as a, as a justification for bulldozing over everything else in life. Don't use that as a, bull, as a justification for bulldozing over others. If you see how callings can work outside um, of, of the church, if you see people pursue careers in fairly high pressured industry or in politics, there is often a lot of having to bulldoze other people in order to get yourself to the top. Um, And if you've got this kind of, this this spiritually charged kind of justification of calling, that can often tempt you to do the same. But that, that completely goes against everything we've looked at in terms of pursuing love, pursuing service, pursuing holiness, pursuing a corporate response. Um, And and sadly, I think this can sometimes be the source of some of the stories we see around spiritual abuse in churches. People use what they say is their calling or their position to justify building an empire at the cost of whoever happens to get in their way. So as you pursue your calling, don't take that bulldozer mindset. And then then the final danger is that what we do, having, having followed our calling what we do can then become a more important source of identity to us than God. So even if we start out well-intentioned in what we pursue as a response to God, it's very easy to slip into the mindset of, well, I do these things, therefore that is my identity. And that becomes, becomes more important than our identity in God. So throughout the pursuit of our life, throughout the pursuit of God's call over our life, as he is the primary caller, so he remains our prime identity. He is is the one we must define ourselves by. I I should not define myself ultimately by what I do or what I am going to do. I remain defined by the fact that I'm a child of God. So um, I'm I'm, going to leave it there after a few concluding thoughts. Um, just say we, 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 we looked at that scale in the past from completely ignoring calling to being completely het up and self-obsessed and individualistic about it. So, so if you feel you probably tend more to this end, my message is simple, really. Spend some time with your caller. Spend some time on relationship with him. And then all of those kind of frustrated yearnings, they, they'll, 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 they'll go away as we find our true, our true yearnings are for God and we, and we get to meet him more. At the same time don't lose your dreams don 't lose your visions don 't lose those grand plans God has in your life. There is goodness in them, and I hope i 've emphasized that enough have I gone through the talk. Doing things is a good thing so don't don't be scared of those, your dreams don 't be scared of your plans don't be scared to pursue what God has laid on your heart at the same time don 't become so self obsessed that you forget about the relationship but if you 're at the other end of the scale if you 're at there kind of i don't i don't really Think about calling much. I feel pretty, pretty directionless in life, and I, I don't know if I care about that or not. Um, I hope what I shared with you this morning is an encouragement to to start thinking about these times again. Spend time with your caller. Uh, be- believe deep down that you are significant. That God has given you specific and valuable things to do. And they may not be visible, they may not be measurable, they're not going to be carved in the the marble statues of history that we often think about when we think of people leaving great legacies. But actually, it's from God, therefore it is significant, therefore it is important, therefore you have a vital part to play in the coming kingdom of God, every single one of us. Um, In reality, I guess that most of us probably lie somewhere in between those two extremes, or we can fluctuate between the two extremes depending on the circumstance in our life. Um, So for all of us, um, my closing message is let's get excited about this stuff. Let's get excited that God has given us a life to live for him. Um, We we sung on Good Friday um, uh, that that song, The Power of the Cross, um, Death is crushed to death, life is mine to live. That, that call, of that, that, that kind of joy of life, that joy that we are on this planet for a purpose, to know God, to pursue him, to be part of his redemptive purposes. Let's get excited about that every day. And let, let's have this language of being called. Let's have this language of calling. Let's get that into our vocabulary. Let's get that into our bloodstream in the same way that salvation and the spirit is in our bloodstream. Let, let's, be, let's be called people. And, and let's, let's reflect on that every day.